Brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Here with our Baylor preview and predictions edition for this episode. And we will dive in on the matchup between the 3-2 and two Baylor Bears and the 2-3 and three West Virginia Mountaineers as we progress throughout this episode. But let's kick this off the way we always like to on these preview episodes with a little off-topic babble. All right, so off-topic babble, as the name suggests, is where we like to just babble a little bit about things that have been going on, you know, things we've experienced non-WVU related, whether it be something we've watched, something we've read, something that we've experienced in life, just a little bit about what's been going on lately since we last uh, called up here on a preview episode. And with that being said, usually for me, that's uh, movies or television shows, usually movies, I'm a big movie buff, a uh, bit of a cinephile, so want to spend a lot of my spare time, free time doing what I'm not uh, working on the pod, working on the channel, or at my actual nine to five. But uh, that being said, what have I seen recently? Oh, definitely got it uh, at the very top. Clerks three, of course. A uh, huge Kevin Smith fan. I'm sure we've talked about it briefly on the podcast. I won't get into that too much because I can go on and on about the about Kevin Smith. But uh, Clerks three, I thought really, really good. Well done. Well written. Just an awesome job. Of course, the comedy's there that you expect with the Clerks movie and with Kevin Smith. But what really got me was the heart that the movie had, actually. Um, I shed a couple tears a couple times throughout the movie. And it was not something that I was expecting to do going into a Clerks movie. So I think Kevin Smith really did something good with this one. Not only with the humor, but, you know, with emotion. And then relating it to some things that have happened to him in his in his real life. And then also, of course, there's a meta aspect to it as well, if you're a fan of the Clerks film franchise. So I thought that was really good. It's in my top five of the year right now. I believe I got it sitting at number four. Beyond that, I also watched Werewolf by Night on uh, Disney Plus. Uh, Marvel special presentation, just a little short film. I believe it's like 55 minutes long. But it's just kind of them paying homage to uh, the old Universal Monster movies. It's in black and white, just like the Universal Monster movies. And it's really well done well shot extremely beautiful cinematography a lot throughout that i mean i could always watch that thing on mute it was so good but 
I love the the mods they paid to the old Universal Monster movies, and they really did it right with the black and white and just the way it was filmed and the way they did things. And I was actually surprised by the gore that they showed and and things like that with it being a you know a Disney Marvel property. But um, it was actually really well done. And I think with the black and white, they were able to get away with a little bit more of that and lean more into the horror side than we're typically used to seeing from. Uh, Disney slash Marvel. So I really enjoyed Werewolf by Night. That's definitely one that I would recommend to check out if you haven't already. Like I said, it's a short film, only 55 minutes. So easy to get, digest and get through when you got a little spare time. So I would definitely check that out. And then last but certainly not least, Hellraiser. The uh, reimagining, if you will. Not necessarily a remake because it's not, you know, Clive Bar Barker's original Hellraiser in 87, I believe it was. Uh, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, but uh, they did, didn't, did you know, walk the same lines beat for beat as that original. It's more of a reimagining, but complete, completely new story, did some different things with the uh, lament configuration there in that one, and uh, completely different pinhead as well, actually a female actress playing pinhead in this one. So um, a bit of a mixed bag, I think, you know, on on some aspects, there's, there's some cons to it, but overall it was really well done, I thought. Um, the things that they did to change the Hellraiser lore and and st the Cenobites, new Cenobites they created were pretty awesome. Um, the effects actually were were well done. They blended the practical with the CGI, which usually when I watch horror movies now, it's, it's complete CGI effects, and I'm just not a fan. I'm you know I'm a big fan of the old school slasher movies, 70s and 80s. Practical effects made those specific, specifically Hellraiser. That's one of the great things about it was amazing practical effects and they kind of leaned into that a little bit in this one mixed it with cgi and it looked good i could have gone with a little bit more gore as far as a hellraiser movie that's kind of what you want you kind of want to feel icky you know like you gotta take a shower after watching it and this one was a little bit more clean for my taste but overall i thought really well done still and probably the best hellraiser movie in my opinion since the original i think it beats out all the other other sequels and hopefully see more of uh, this incarnation of Hellraiser, and it continues, and they make sequels there. But that's on Hulu. If you want to check that out, I'd recommend that as well. I mean, we're in October, so uh, definitely some horror movies uh, going around here on on my side of things, and hopefully you guys enjoy them too. But uh, if not, you know, jump jump in the comments here if you're watching on the YouTube side. Uh, what have you been watching lately? What have you been enjoying? And or any thoughts on any of the things that I've watched, if you've seen them as well. Always trying to get that engagement here. And while I'm at it, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, hit that like button. That'll help this video's performance and help future videos' performances as well. And hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Helps us, helps you, helps get this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. You can do that whether you're watching on our YouTube channel or the WV Sports Now YouTube channel, as we are now a part of the WV Sports podcast network there on the sports now family of networks we're really appreciative of them for that and you can check us out on multiple ways now our youtube their youtube or their website there at wvsportsnow.com that being said that's pretty much all i got this week for off topic babble so let's get into mountaineer news <laughs> All right, so Mountaineer News segment, this is where we usually update you on some Mountaineer basketball news, some Mountaineer recruiting news, and some Mountaineer football news, respectively. But as you can see, I'm flying solo this week, so the Mountaineer basketball news provided by Steven and the Mountaineer recruiting news provided by Bradley will be missed with this preview episode, but that will make its triumphant return on our next preview episode, hopefully there as we preview the Texas Tech game in about a week and a half for the Mountaineers. That being said, I can give you some Mountaineer football news. And so let's dive in on that. 
um, injury updates, of course, this time of year, those kind of start to mount a little bit. Charles Woods still remains out for the Mountaineers about a week away from a return is what they're targeting, apparently, according to Neil Brown in his press conference this week. In addition, Mike O'Laughlin, it sounds like, is going to be out for this one. He didn't really update Mike O's injury, but we saw him grab that injured knee that we've seen him have troubles with throughout his career after he made uh, after he dropped that third down uh, ball against um, Texas in the Mountaineers' previous game and didn't return to that game. And from the sounds of it during Neil Brown's press conference, we'll meet this one as well. And he said he will update further on Mike O later this week. So anxious to hear about that. Hopefully it's not really bad news, but thoughts with Mike O, and hopefully he can recover and return, as well as C.J. Donaldson. Of course, we all bear witness to the scary injury he suffered in the game against Texas, and we're very concerned about him. So good news is he is okay. He is, you know, walking. His extremities are fine. He's with the team. You know, he's he's just in concussion protocol, and that, you know, with a head injury is something you don't want to rush back from. So he's going to sit out this Baylor game, and, See how it plays out moving forward, but no C.J. Donaldson for this one either. So you will be getting a heavy dose of Tony Mathis and Justin Johnson, and it appears Jalen Anderson will dress as well. That's a little bit of injury update. Moving on to Mountaineer news, let's do a little bit of a stat update. You know, after this game against Baylor, the Mountaineers will be halfway through the 2022 season already. It's hard to believe. So looking at some of the stat standout statistics so far, JT Daniels, 1,209 passing yards, which ranks him sixth in the Big 12 Conference currently. He has eight eight touchdowns versus only two interceptions. And then C.J. Donaldson, the aforementioned, has 389 rushing yards, which ranks him ninth in the Big 12 Conference. But his six rushing touchdowns actually tie for fourth in the conference, and his 6.9 yards per carry average tops the Big 12 Conference. Bryce Ford Wheaton has 412 receiving yards, which is third best in the Big 12, and his four receiving touchdowns are also tied for third best in the Big 12. As far as the WVU offense as a whole, we've definitely seen improvement from that unit as they're averaging 454.8 yards per game to rank them fourth in the Big 12 conference currently as we head in to the sixth game of the season. Beyond that, Looking around at some of the other games that will be on the Big 12 slate this weekend on Saturday. Kansas, now ranked number 19th in the country, goes on the road to Norman to face a reeling Oklahoma squad at noon on ESPN2. Oklahoma still currently favored by 7.5. Iowa State at 3-3 travels to number 22, Texas at 4-2. Also at noon, that one will be on ABC, and Texas is currently favored by 16-and-a-half. And then the big one, another battle of unbeatens this week in the Big 12, as we saw TCU survive to beat Kansas last week in a battle of unbeatens. Now we have the top two teams in the conference going at it yet again this following week as number eight, Oklahoma State at 5-0, and travels to Fort Worth to take on the 13th-ranked Horned Frogs, who are also 5-0. and and that game will be at 3.30 Saturday on ABC as well. And TCU is currently favored by three and a half. And then, of course, the one that's of main concern to us will happen before that prior to as West Virginia will take on Baylor Thursday, October 13th at 7 p.m. That game's going to be televised on Fox Sports 1. And Baylor is currently three and a half point favorites in this game. 
that being said, that's the topic at hand. So let's dive in on it. All right. So as I mentioned, West Virginia welcoming the Baylor Bears into Morgantown on Thursday night for a primetime game there on Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. It will be West Virginia's stripe the stadium game. 3-2 and two Baylor, currently 2-3 and three West Virginia, and the Mountaineers are still seeking their first conference win at this time as they are 0-2 in the Big 12 right now. Losses to Kansas and to Texas. Baylor, meanwhile, is currently 1-1 one one in the conference with a victory over Iowa State and a loss to Oklahoma State. All right, so usually we dive in on the matchups here. West Virginia offense versus Baylor defense, Baylor offense versus West Virginia defense, and I'm still going to do that momentarily. But I know right now the West Virginia fan base is in a bit of disarray. I guess you could say they're disheartened, possibly even a little bit discouraged. So let's talk about some things that maybe could encourage you about this matchup against Baylor because I know a lot of people aren't going into it too optimistic, it seems. So, you know, there's one thing that always can make a game more enjoyable, and that is if you have hope. If you don't have hope, it's not as enjoyable, I don't feel. So let me try and give you guys throughout Mountaineer Nation some hope here. Um, Number one, night game in Morgantown. You know, be that as it may, lately that doesn't hold as much weight as it used to in the past, but I still think it's a it's a time where special things can happen because, you know, night games in Morgantown, as we all know, they are special traditionally, despite the lack of success West Virginia has had them recently, you know, especially this year. But it's still going to be a great atmosphere for the Mountaineers, and that is a home field advantage. You know, we know Mountaineer Field is a home field advantage, but Mountaineer Field at night, and especially Mountaineer Field on a Thursday night, is a big home field advantage. So there's one thing. Another thing, Baylor's never won in Morgantown. Uh, You know, we've been playing them since 2012 now, and to this point, West Virginia's been able to hold their ground at home and and win the football game. Um, Furthermore, I think both of these teams are very similar right now. I know that Baylor has the one conference win, whereas West Virginia has zero and they have the winning record, whereas West Virginia is 2-3. and three. Uh, But both teams have played some close games. West Virginia, I would argue, has played a bit tougher competition, especially in the non-conference. And the way that this game is going to play out is basically these are, you know, two ships passing each other in the night, if you will, because whoever loses this game is going to be, you know, down near the bottom of the conference and struggling to claw their way out with only half a season left. And whoever wins this game might, you know, have a chance to fight for that top five, you know, half of the conference. So it's it's an important game, as they all are moving forward now for this staff with the position that West Virginia is in. And I think we've discussed that enough. But there's definitely certainly some reasons for optimism. Also, the fact that these two teams line up very, very similarly in the matchup-wise. I know West Virginia is averaging 186 yards rushing per game. Baylor's averaging like 187. Their total yards is, is very similar as well. Uh, Baylor's defense has been a bit better. That's the one thing West Virginia needs to improve on is defense. But going into this, yes, Baylor's favored by three and a half, but this is a game West Virginia can win, and those are just some small 
little slight reasons to give you a little bit more hope and a little bit more optimism heading into this, and hopefully it'll make you cheer on the Mountaineers a little harder, which is great and something that they need, especially if you're going to be there in Morgantown on Thursday night. They need that crowd to be rocking and to have that home field advantage in full effect to be able to pull off this important victory for the Mountaineers as we hope to see them win their first Big 12 conference game. So now that I've hopefully provided a little bit of optimism for you heading into this one, let's look at a little bit more at the matchups. Let's start it off with the area of concern for the Mountaineers, the West Virginia defense going up against this Baylor Bear offense. And when we look at this matchup, I think the main concern for West Virginia, of course, is going to be stopping the run. Last year we saw Baylor, you know, pretty much do what they wanted. Uh, Gary Bohannon was the quarterback at that time, but they threw the ball on the Mountaineers. Tyquan Thornton was killing the Mountaineers deep. I think he caught a couple of touchdowns. But that wide zone attack, you know, that was the first time West Virginia had seen it as as well as a lot of the Big 12 Conference last year. And one of the reasons Baylor went on to win the conference championship was that RVO, the reliable, violent offense brought in by Jeff Grimes, really based around the wide zone, based around the stretch play they get to it in a lot of different ways, give you a lot of different shifts of motion just to get to that play. But everything is based around that play, specifically that wide zone stretch play. They have, you know, play action off of it and different looks off of it and things. But that's their bread and butter, and that's what they're going to attack you with offensively. So hopefully the Mountaineers are better prepared for that defensively this week, or this year rather, as opposed to how they were last year when it really hurt them. Um, last year was Abram Smith toting the rock on that. This year it's going to mainly be Richard Reese, actually, a freshman who's really done a great job there with that outside zone and has a lot of speed. He can take that stretch play and find that seam and get that one cut, and then he gets upfield, and he's tough because he's fast, and if he gets to that second level, it's tough to catch him. So watch out for Richard Reese in the Baylor backfield. Hopefully the Mountaineer defensive line can do some things to slow down that wide zone stretch play when we're talking about the running game, and specifically I think that this could be a game where, you know, Jordan Jefferson, Dante Stills really come into play because when they're trying to run that wide zone, if you can get some pressure inside and force those linemen back and kind of uh, force that running back to, not, you know, loop back further than he wants to in the backfield and not, you know, get that direct path, that can blow up the place timing a little bit. Just anything you can do to throw off the timing of of the wide zone would be great for West Virginia in this one. And, of course, you got to set, set, set the edge really good. So West Virginia's bandit, West Virginia's spear. West Virginia's wheel linebackers all going to have to do a great job of setting the edge on this one. And and then in turn, the guys there in the middle, if they do set that edge and force that halfback to cut upfield, have to be in their lanes and be there to make the play because you can set the edge if you want. But if no one's there when the running back cuts upfield in that lane, it's going to still be a big play. And that's kind of the beauty, I guess, of the wide zone is – you're kind of just stretching it out and stretching it out till you see that seam, and then you're hitting upfield. And Baylor really does a great job of coaching that and coaching the running backs on that, and they are awesome at that in their offense. So definitely something to look out for on that side of things. And then in the passing game, um, we may, I mentioned Gary Burhannon a little bit earlier. He has since moved on. I believe he's at South Florida now. They have went with Blake Shapin, who if you watched the Big 12 title game last year against Oklahoma State, you saw perform really well. And he really brings a different aspect to them in the past game. Not that Gary Bohannon couldn't throw the ball, but Blake Shapin just has a little bit better arm talent uh, than Gary Bohannon did and has opened things up for them in the passing game there as well, especially downfield, I think which is, you know, where they want to try and get you. They want to lure you to sleep at the run and hit you with the play action. Deep ball to uh, 
a deep speedster, which last year was Tyquan Thornton. This year, the man that has taken over that role is Monterey Baldwin for the Bears at wide receiver, and he is a blazer. So watch out for him out there if they go play action. Hopefully the Mountaineers can contain him and not let him get over top because he has the speed to be able to do so and make some big plays. He has a really high yardage per catch average this year because that's what he's there for. You know, he's there for the explosive play, and he can make it. So West Virginia's got to not let that speedster get behind him. And then Baylor is another team that likes to use their tight ends in the passing game. Ben Sims, one of the better tight ends in the conference and one of the leading receivers for the Bears, will also, you know, slip out, and the Mountaineers got to be on the watch for him coming up the seam and things like that because he can make some plays in the passing game as well. So hopefully the Mountaineer secondary is up to the challenge in this one and ready for some of those play action looks that the Baylor Bear offense will give them. And, you know, last year West Virginia really got out physical. That's the one thing Neil Brown has kept harping on. And it was the game that West Virginia was completely dominated. So hopefully they can turn that around because, you know, I talked about reasons for optimism. Let me throw one more at you real quick before I talk a little bit more about the West Virginia defense heading into this one. But one more reason for optimism here. 2020, West Virginia, you know, was in most of the games that season. But the one game they absolutely got dominated was against Iowa State. I believe it was 42-6 to six or something like that. And they were really physically dominated. And Neil Brown really harped on that. I believe they hung the score up in the locker room all all offseason, actually, and talked about not being able to be physically dominated like that yet again. So when Iowa State came around last year in 2021, we saw the Mountaineers play motivated, play strong, and play their best game of the season and beat Iowa State with that as motivation. So here's to hoping that the same process happens again because I know Neil Brown has been harping on last year's Baylor game and how they were dominated. You know, So hopefully that same – History repeats itself in that aspect, and the Mountaineers are able to come out and play a lot better against Baylor this year the same way they did Iowa State last year once they were dominated two years ago. So we'll see how that plays out, but just another little reason for optimism there possibly. As far as the Mountaineer secondary, the Mountaineer defense in this one, uh, we heard Neil Brown during his press conference mention a name in Jalen Shelton, a Juco cornerback the Mountaineers signed late in the recruiting process that we all thought may factor in, but hadn't yet to this point. And according to Neil Brown, that was due to an injury, but he is going to see some playing time this week. And the Mountaineers really need some things there at the cornerback spot. Um, he mentioned Rashad Ajayi, he thought really played well. We know McCormick's been struggling. And we saw bright spots from the young guys in recent weeks. Jacoby Spells, Andrew Wilson-Lamp. Um, he mentioned Wilson-Lamp maybe getting some more playing time as well. So what I'm expecting in this game, you may still see McCormick take the field first, but if you don't, I think you'll see Ajayi and Shelton at the corner spots for the Mountaineers, and then you'll mix in, you know, Wilson Lamp and Spells. I think Wilson Lamp may be the first one off the bench due to this performance against Texas, getting the lone pass breakup and being the highest-graded Mountaineer on defense in that one. Hopefully we'll see a little bit more of Andrew Wilson Lamp, but I think this is going to be a game where you see the Mountaineers try some things in the secondary and mix up the pieces at corner a little bit and try and see if they can get some of these young guys, not only some experience, but maybe just find the right combo of guys that can help them the most because they haven't been able to do that yet in the secondary. And as Neil Brown said, who they have is kind of who they have. They're throwing Jalen Shelton into the mix this week. But other than that, there's really no other new faces coming into that there. You're going to have McCormick, Ajayi, Spells, Wilson, Lamp, and Shelton. And those are the bodies you're going to rotate there at corner. And you just got to hope you can find the right combination or hopefully maybe one of those guys really steps up and makes some plays. I know Shelton's got really good size. So 
Maybe that'll make a difference. I don't know, but something has to give in the Mountaineer secondary, and they're going to be challenged over the top. As I said in this one, Monterey Baldwin's going to try and get behind them, and they're going to have to try and contain the tight end and Ben Sims as well. So hopefully the Mountaineer secondary has got some fundamentals down during the bye week, really went back to basics as they said they were going to do and improve some things because this is where you're going to see it, I think, for the Mountaineers. If the secondary has improved, if the secondary is gotten better at fundamentals it should show up in this game against Baylor with a bye week to be able to hone in on those things if the secondary looks just as bad as it has earlier then that's just probably kind of where we are sadly and just gonna be what we're gonna have to deal with for the rest of this season but as I said Baylor wants to run the football they're based around that wide zone but with what West Virginia has put on tape I would not be surprised to see teams come out and throw it a little bit more than they tend to normally against West Virginia. So don't be surprised to see Baylor coming out, maybe slinging it especially early to see if they can break that secondary of West Virginia and and get ahead in this game. That's something that I'm kind of watching for. But fingers crossed for improvement in the secondary. We got faith in the front seven, and hopefully the defense has really made some changes and some adjustments and honed in on some things to improve throughout the bye week. So that's a bit of that. Look at that side of the matchup. Let's flip it over, look at it the other way as the West Virginia offense against the Baylor Bear defense. We know Dave Aranda came from LSU, kind of known as a defensive mastermind. He's done a great job with the defense there at Baylor under defensive coordinator Ron Roberts. The West Virginia offense, we also know, has greatly improved this year with Graham Harrell at the helm. I mentioned, you know, fourth in the Big 12 in total offense, over 450 yards per game. Last game against Texas, we kind of saw – Probably what was their worst offensive performance up to this point. And they still managed to score 20 points, mainly in the second half. Got seven of those before halftime, but still ended up being a decent offensive performance due to how they played in the second half. But you definitely want to see the offense revert back to its form that it showed in the first four games of the season rather than what it showed in the fifth game against Texas prior to the bye weekend. I think hopefully that's, you know, an abnormality, a bit of an aberration. And what we saw earlier is the true identity of this West Virginia offense because they are going to really need it in this game, especially the balance attack they've shown. And that's going to be hard to do against Baylor, who really prides themselves on stopping the run. And that worries me a little bit going into this one. I know I gave you some reason for optimism, but let me flip that over a little bit and tell you why I'm worried now as we talk about this this matchup. I think the West Virginia passing offense is going to have to be on point because I think Baylor's really good at stopping the run, and I don't know if West Virginia will be able to run the ball against Baylor. We saw against Texas, those big bodies, West Virginia have struggles trying to move them in the run game. Against Baylor, it's going to be no different, specifically Siaka Ika there in the middle, one of the best you know tackles in the country. Definitely one of the best in the Big 12, and he's a big body, but he can also move and make plays. And, you know, the Baylor defense prides himself on stopping the run, and they do a great job of it. And they do a great job of it with a relatively light box as well, which makes things harder on you in the pass lanes because they're not going man-to-man. They've got guys in coverage there, and there's tight windows. So that makes it tough. But just for an example of how tough this Baylor run defense is, you know, we saw West Virginia last week against Texas. I mean, not last week, but, you know, last game, rather. Struggle to run the ball, only running for 61 yards. And that was kind of one of the more disappointing things when what you've heard all offseason from the staff is they have to be able to run the ball against the top teams in this league. And we thought, you know, we need to see them do it against Texas and see if they can actually do that and if that's going to come to fruition and if this run game is truly improved. That didn't happen. So now we're kind of like hurting, you know, we're 
I don't want to say reeling necessarily, but we're worried about the run game. And if we are truly as balanced as we could show. And, you know, I try and be a glass full half, glass half full kind of guy as much as possible. But Baylor's better at run defense than Texas. Let's just be honest. I'm going to tell you right now, the number one run defense in the Big 12, according to PFF, is the Baylor Bears. And it's a 90.7 run defense grade. That's very, very impressive. And no C.J. Donaldson for the Mountaineers, so I'm a little bit worried about the Mountaineers' ability to run the football in this game. That being said, I don't think they, they're incapable of it. I just don't know if they'll be able to. They, you know... The matchup of this game is between Zach Frazier and Siaka Ika, in my opinion. You know, if Frazier can win some of those one-on-ones and move him a little bit, West Virginia maybe will get a little bit in the run game. I don't, you know, 100 yards is going to be tough to muster, I think, rushing in this one. If West Virginia gets 100 yards rushing in this game, they're probably going to win the game. That's just being honest. Baylor really doesn't give up 100 yards rushing to many teams. And so that's, you know, recipe for success. If, if you can run the ball on Baylor, you're in good shape. But, that's few and far between. So look out for that. That's going to be tough for the Mountaineers. Passing game wise, you know, like I said, it's going to be tight windows, but you got to trust JT Daniels. He's got the mindset to know, you know, that's one thing Graham Harrell always says. He knows what teams are trying to do to him and he knows how to attack that and how to have answers for that. And so I think they'll have him ready. You know, Baylor can stop the run with that light box, but if West Virginia can run the football and they have to move an extra man into that box, that could really open up things for the Mountaineer passing game because that's something Baylor doesn't want to do and doesn't like to do and doesn't have to do very often because teams don't run the ball against them. So running the ball is going to be a major key. But just due to the fact that in Baylor's history how good they've been at stopping the run, I'm not expecting the Mountaineers to be able to run the football with that much success. You know, I'm sorry to say. I hope that they do, and I hope I'm wrong. But with that being said, I think the passing game is going to be a major key to this game, and West Virginia is going to have to make plays in the passing game if they want to be able to score points and be able to win this football game. So that's a major key. I think a lot of this game is going to rest on the shoulders of JT Daniels, his decision-making, his accuracy, his game management. And then, of course, we got to hope that the receivers revert back to being able to catch the football again against Texas. There was too many drops. Or, you know, it's, We know it's been an issue. I don't need to harp on that. You guys know. You watch the games. You know how these receivers, receivers are struggling, dropping the football. So I'm not going to harp on that too much, but hopefully during the bye week they've honed in on that as well and we don't see any drops. Well, I don't want to say any. Hopefully we see less than five drops. I mean, ideally I'd like it to be even less than that, but you know, we'll start there because I know we've had six plus in a couple games this season. So let's get it under five to start baby steps, right? <laughs> but the Mountaineers are going to need the receivers to hang on to the ball in this one. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough catches. Like I said, tight windows. So we're going to see how the, they've improved on that as well in this one. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. So that's a look at the Mountaineer offense versus the Baylor defense. We've touched on the matchups now. Let's get into our key to victory and our score prediction for this one. All right, so pretty self-explanatory segment here. Going to provide my key to victory that I feel will really help the Mountaineers be able to win this football game and then follow that up with my score prediction in this one as well as the Mountaineers are set to take on the Baylor Bears in game six of the 2022 football season. So that being said, as far as key to victory for me in this one, 
I think that it's making plays in the passing game. You know, I touched on it briefly when I talked about the matchups. Baylor's very good at, stro- at stopping the run. So, therefore, if West Virginia is not able to run the football, it's going to come down to making plays in the passing game if you want to win this game. That means JT Daniels, you know, being accurate, being on time into these tight windows. And then, of course, the main concern in this key is the receivers being able to make those tough catches and hang on to the football because it's probably going to be a lot of contested catches, guys on their back getting hit as they called it. You know, guys bearing down on them. So you got to look that ball in, hand-eye coordination, track it better. As we heard, you know, Neil Brown say that's one of the main issues is they're tracking the ball too far. It's a fundamental thing. So hopefully during the bye week they worked on some of those fundamentals because to me the key for a West Virginia victory in this one is going to be making plays in the passing game. That being said, I guess it's prediction time. So, you know, I gave you some reasons for optimism early. Baylor hasn't won Morgantown yet. West Virginia, you know, night games, usually tough place to play. They've got the home field advantage. The matchup against Baylor is not as big of a discrepancy as it has been against, you know, Texas, where I really felt bad about the matchup. I feel a little bit better about this matchup, and I'm glad I was able to give you guys some reasons for optimism because I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic right here, and apologize for that, but I'm still cheering for the Mountaineers, still hoping that I'm wrong and hoping the Mountaineers really come out and show us something on this Thursday night. But until they do that and show me that they have that ability to beat, you know, a team that has been a top team in this league and to perform against, you know, as I said, one of the better defenses in the league as well. And then more importantly, until I see the Mountaineer defense improve, I just find it hard to pick them to win this football game. So I'm going to say that Baylor wins this one, but I think the Mountaineers stick in it, keep it close for the most part. I'm going to go with a 28-24 to Baylor victory over West Virginia on Thursday night. But fingers crossed that I'm wrong. All right, so there you have it. I know we usually wrap these up with our favorite game show here, Mountaineer Multiple Choice, but obviously flying solo, there's no way to throw that segment in. So we're going to be a little bit shorter preview episode this week with me doing this one on my own. But that being said, really hope that you guys have enjoyed what we've brought you here. And one more time before we get on up out here on Season 5, Episode 140 of the CRW Podcast, if you listen on the audio side, we really appreciate you tuning in there. You can find us on any podcast platform you prefer. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave us a rating. That really helps us here. And then if you're watching on the video side, whether it be on our channel or the WV Sports Now channel, do us a favor. Scroll down. Hit that thumbs up. Give us that like. That will really help this video's performance and help future video's performances as well. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Helps us. Helps you. Helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. That being said, that will pretty much wrap us up here on Season 5, Episode 140, the Baylor Preview and Predictions edition of the Country Roads webcast. Before we get out here, do want to go ahead and plug our live show that's coming immediately following the game, our post-game show that we do over there. For the Voice of College Football, you can catch that on our channel or, of course, the Voice of College Football channel or the West Virginia Mountaineers at the Voice of College Football channel. Subscribe to those channels also if you haven't already. Trying to continue to grow the West Virginia brand, but immediately following the game, Come talk with us. Should be starting up by 11 p.m. since the game has a 7 o'clock kick time. Should be starting the post-game show immediately at 11 p.m. right here on YouTube if you're watching on the video side. Come jump in the chat. Leave your comments, questions, concerns about the game. We'll all talk about it, go through it together. 
break it down immediately following the game. So definitely check that out, post-game show for this one here on YouTube. Ours, the Voice of College Football and the West Virginia Mountaineers at the Voice of College Football. Beyond that, plenty of content coming following the game on the channel. We'll have the player grades. I'm going to try and hopefully do a film review for this one, get Cruz film reviews back up and going again for this game. And then, of course, basketball season starting to roll around. CRW Hoops Pod going to be coming, hosted by Steven. So be on the lookout for that in the future. And then, of course, social media. You see our Twitter there on the screen if you're watching on the video side. If you're listening on the audio side, it's at WVU Country Roads. And on game day, if you want to check it out on Thursday, I will be live tweeting throughout the game, just kind of live in-game updates as the game progresses. So plenty of ways to keep up with Mountaineer football content from the Country Roads webcast. Really appreciate you tuning in this preview episode. Hope you tune into the live tweet thread during the game and then immediately following the game. Hope you hop right back here on YouTube to check out our post-game show here from the Country Roads webcast. That being said, as always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, and until next time, let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...